and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for our freedom. But today, Lord, we just want to thank you for how far you were prepared to go to be in relationship with us. Father, we cannot fathom what it is to lose a family member, let alone give one up for others, Lord. So this morning, we just, we're just humbled humbled by your the greatest act of mercy ever seen we are humbled lord we're broken lord we we mourn we mourn as you would have mourned for your son lord we're so thankful we are so thankful lord we're thankful for the mighty name of jesus and we pray in that mighty name right now. Amen. Let's take a seat. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You have much to live for. The Lord's made a way for you to live free. He says, he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Sometimes we think that means we've got to be perfect. And I think he's calling us now. He's saying, hey, after all I've done, please accept the freedom and live free. He's asking us not to be bound by our yesterdays, not to be bound by our mistakes, but to stand tall to present ourselves. It doesn't mean to be perfect. It means to live as if you've been completely forgiven and set free. He wants you to hold your head high and call yourself a son and daughter of the king. Jesus calls us brethren. He calls us family. He says, you have been adopted into my family. Don't make, don't make this amazing sacrifice that I, have, that I have given you of nil effect by feeling guilty and feeling shame. The shame and the guilt has been smashed at the cross. You are free and he's calling you to stand tall and to live free. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what's been done to you, no matter what you have participated in, he's saying accept the liberty of the cross. And I remind you this day, this holiest of days, to live free and to live whole and to stand tall and to walk in my mercy and to walk in my grace and in my truth. The Lord has made a way for us to know him. He's made a way to restore the breach, to make right that which was lost. The Lord of hope 
He's thought of us. He's thought of our future. I love what, what he says. He, he's, he, the, the Lord speaks through his, through, his, through his priest, Zacharias, and he says this out of, out of the first, first part of Luke. He says, In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet on the road of peace. He wants to guide your feet on the road of peace. He doesn't want you to live in, in the challenges of yesterday, in the torment of your emotions, in the struggles of your business and of your family. He wants to lead you on the pathway. He wants to guide your feet on the road of peace. God loves us and he believes in us. He's saying to us today, he's reminding us today, he's saying, I believe in you, says the Lord, so much I believe in you so much that I will send my only son, my only begotten son, and whosoever of you, whosoever of you this day will just simply believe. If you just simply believe and try to live, don't try to, to do anything, just simply believe and I will give you life. Death will no longer be the limiting factor of your life. You will now be eternal. You will now have eternal life. And I'm just asking you, says the Lord, just to simply believe. You have more in you than you know, says the Lord. There's more in you than you know. What you are facing right now, it's not the end of you. The, challenge you, the challenges that are before you, they are worth the fight. I love that Romans 12 says, you know, it's our reasonable service. You know, he's saying, hey... This is how much I believe in you. I believe in you this much. I have this much hope. I've considered your future, the, the plans in your future, and I've considered them, and, and there, I have that much hope that I am going to sacrifice my son for you. So stand tall, live free, accept my grace, cast away the shame and the guilt, and, and because it's a reasonable thing, considered what's been laid down for you. Don't grow weary. I can see... Through your battle, says the Lord. I can see all the way through your battle, all the way to eternal life with me. There is no battle that the Lord cannot see through. He's saying, I am with you. The word of the Lord that was spoken 2,000 years ago, we, we know the Great Commission, well, make disciples, but he ends the last few words of that great chapter 28 of Matthew. He says, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end. And what we think is the end is just a transition. It's a transition. It's a doorway. It's an entry point to a new part of our journey with God. He's saying death can no longer, like death did not define Jesus' life. Death was a window to our liberty. And, 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 the, and we, when we look at the end of our lives on earth, it is just a pathway to a new liberty. You know, I think, I think back to that to that day that we've, that we've read and we've remembered so often. And I like to think that, you know, I would have been one of the faithful, one of the faithful few who uh, didn't call out, crucify him on that day. But you know what? I don't know. I don't know where I would have been. I don't know whether I would have been convinced or intimidated to, to join with the crowds and call out, crucify him. Crucify him. Crowds cried. Maybe I would have cried if I was there. 
What happened between Sunday and Thursday? Just five days earlier on Palm Sunday, Jesus triumphantly rode his donkey into Jerusalem as, you know, as people called out Hosanna to the son of David and only five days later, those same people were calling out crucify him. Were they intimidated by the high priests? Were they, were they, did, they, did they discover that Jesus wasn't the kind of king that they thought he was going to be? He wasn't going to dominate the Romans. He was, he, was, he was dealing with a different life. He was dealing with an eternal life. And they wanted something right now. This cannot be the king because he hasn't taken over from the Romans. He hasn't liberated us in the natural right now. But on that day, the plan of the enemy and the plan of God came together. Just for a moment, the enemy's plan was to kill the Son of God. And the Lord's plan was that his Son must die so that we could be free. The enemy thought it would be the end, but the Lord had something different in mind. The Lord knew that his death was not the end, but it was a window of hope to all humanity for all time. In 1 Peter 3.18, we read this. Christ died for sins. Once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous. His death for our life to bring you and I to God. He's so simple. Christ died for sins. How many times did he do that? Once, who for? For all. His righteousness for our unrighteousness. His death for our life. And to bring it all together simply so that you and I could know God. Crucify him, the crowds cry. Pilate finally gives up and he sentences Jesus to death on a cross. And after carrying his own cross with some help from a man named Simon, they arrived at a place called Golgotha, the place of the skull. And then at nine o'clock, if you look at your watch, that's in 20 minutes' time. In 20 minutes' time from now, on that day, soldiers drove iron spikes through the hands and the feet of our Lord. And they lifted the beam and dropped it into a hole. And then for six hours, Jesus hung suspended almost between heaven and earth, dying. And while he's up there, he says one of the most powerful sentences we've ever heard in all of history. He says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. You know, I've asked the Lord so many times, how, how can you say this? You know, we, I mean, in, our, in our society of blame and who's responsible and, and litigiousness and, you know, we, you know, if, you know if, I, if I trip over crossing the road, I'm looking for who's to blame. And the Lord, he is being murdered by all of these people. And they, that's their goal is to, is to end his life. And he's saying, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. In this day of blame, this statement that Jesus makes, it's a shining light to all of humanity. It's so far off the status quo, so far from what we understand, from what from what we do in our own hearts, that it's a light of hope to whoever 
and whenever they wish to partake of it. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And I look at my life and I think, he's speaking to me. He's interceding for my heart where I've where I have turned on him, where I've rejected him. Every time, you know, every time I, I, I live out of selfishness, you know, I wake up in the morning and there's Jesus interceding on my behalf saying, Lord, forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's just acting out of selfishness. He doesn't realise there's a bigger picture. At around 3pm on Friday, the sky over Jerusalem turns strangely dark. The earth shakes, it rumbles. And the veil in the temple, separating the holy of holies from the average person, is torn from top to bottom. What separated man from God was no longer there. What separated him, the, the laws of yesterday, the, the, the sacrifice of, of everyday life ended. And he, he says, once I will die so that you can access the holy of holies. Those things that separated you from, from being in relationship with me are now torn from top to bottom. There's not just a small window that you need to crawl through. They're torn from top to bottom. The curtains are pulled apart. The veil is pulled apart. We can walk, enter into the holy of holies. And no matter what our yesterdays are, there is fresh mercy each morning to enter into that throne of grace. Boldly, says the writer of Hebrews, and Jesus cries out in that moment and he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, for the first time in Jesus' life on that Friday at about 3 p.m. in the afternoon, set your clock to 3 p.m. in the afternoon and mourn with your, with your, with, with your Saviour Jesus who for the very first time in his life experienced separation from God. Jesus experienced separation from his heavenly father. You see, for us to restore access to relationship with God, Jesus needed to be rejected in that moment. He needed to take on our burden. He needed, to, he needed God to look at him as, the, as, as the, the, the chief of all sinners, as the carrier of all sin for that moment so that when he sacrificed every sin ever committed, every challenge that will ever be, we be walked through every attitude, every piece of unbelief, right then, right, right then at that time would be dealt with at the cross and God could wipe the slate clean. He has wiped your slate clean, he's wiped mine and he's saying, Will you please get up each day and present your bodies holy? Even though your yesterday might not have been holy, today is a new day to walk in, walk tall and, and walk boldly in my mercy and in my grace. Please don't take on blame because when you take on blame, when you take on guilt, you make the cross of nil effect. He's saying, please stand tall and walk in my freedom. This is my gift to you. This is my Friday. My Friday is to take that away from you. Please walk in my liberty. See, this execution may have been at the hands of men, but it was according to the plan of heaven. Jesus was innocent. He lived a sinless life. He was innocent. In fact, he was the only one who was. And he still is. It wasn't for his sins that he was on the cross. It was for ours. It was for mine. 
this one man, Jesus Christ, he had, he has, he has today. He has what it takes. He had what it takes to stand where no one else would, where no one else could. He took the pain of that day. He took the pain of our every days. He took it on himself for our liberty. For our liberty, thousands of years later, we walk in the liberty of him taking that moment. The Prince of Peace became the saviour of the world. See, Jesus was an amazing miracle worker, an amazing prophet, an amazing teacher, an amazing, you know, amazing rabbi. And he had all these, ama- these words that were thrust upon him. But at that moment, he shifted to becoming the saviour of the world, the carrier of all debts. We look around our world today for mentors and heroes and people to model our lives on. And we know that any hero, any mentor in life is, is someone who has given up much of themselves for the sake of others. You know, we, see, we look around and we see the 15 minutes of fame that people experience, but the true hero, a true mentor is someone who has sacrificed much, who has given up much for the sake of others. And we recognize that with people. But none more than Jesus Christ, who gave up his life not just for a few people, but for all mankind. And when he, when he hung there on that cross and he said, my God, my God, yet that moment he was carrying the burden of the world, the burden of every person who had ever lived and who will ever live, carried the burden of their shame and of their guilt and of their unbelief and of their doubts and of their depression and of their anxiety. And he took it on. He took it all on. No one else could do that. This is a hero of heroes. He is worthy of all our praise. Today we're not here to celebrate that Christ died. We cannot celebrate death. We celebrate that God loves us so much that he would even consider to allow his son to die. We celebrate a, a, a Lord, a God, who valued relationship with us that much that he would consider allowing his son to come into humanity and to be separated from him to the point of death so that we could be free. Jesus' vision wasn't the cross. Jesus' vision was your freedom. Jesus' vision was you living anxiety and depression and doubt and guilt and shame-free. That was his vision. It wasn't the cross. The cross was just the burden that he needed to take on so that you could experience those things. We read in John 12, 24, Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it produces many. You know, I like to think that Jesus being the Son of God, when he walked through those, those days of, that, of, the, of his passion, the, that period, that he, that he carried some extra substance of heaven to do it. But he walked as a man that whole period. His humanity was evident. His humanity was evident in the, to the point where he, where he sweated, you know, he, he sweated blood 
as he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. His humanity was that, was, was, was that real that it caused his will to be different to God's will. Jesus, Jesus knew his journey. He knew that he had to die. But at that point, at that point in praying in the garden, when he, when he felt the burden of the whole of the sin of all, of, all of, of all time come upon him, he said, Lord, in my humanity, my will is that you let me live and that I don't carry this. Sometimes we think that, you know, I need my will to align with the will of God. But Jesus, even Jesus in his humanity, when he had to take on such a big act, he he caused his will to even be different to God's will. His humanity was very real. And as you look in the mirror every morning when you get out of bed, you realize that your humanity is very real. The things that you want, you know, we're, we're driven by our own survival sometimes, aren't we? We're driven by our own, our own sense of peace. But Jesus, what did he do? He rose above it in that moment. He says, Lord, let me live. Take this cup from me. I want to live. I don't want to carry this burden. It's too much. In my humanity, it's too much. But then he said that magnificent word. He said, nevertheless, nevertheless, not my will. Your will be done. Be encouraged today. Do not despise your own will. While we live in these mortal bodies, while we live in our, in our, in our own minds, you know, while we live in this space, you know, our will is a very powerful thing. What we want is a very powerful thing. Don't despise yourself. He's saying present your will to God and then rise above it and surrender your will to his will. This is where liberty lives. It's not about being perfect. The Son of God in His humanity had a different will to, God, to, to His Father in that moment. Of course, we are going to have different ideas. But the example that we take from this great day, from this greatest of Good Fridays, is that we can surrender our will to His will. And when His will is done, we may, we may have to sacrifice something. But we won't abide alone. All of a sudden, we're part of something bigger. We're part of a family. We're part of the kingdom of heaven. Because he gave up his will, now everyone else, every other soul can be healed, can be saved, can be set free, can walk guilt-free, can step out of depression and out of anxiety and into hope. Because he surrendered his will to his Father's will. First Peter 3.18 Christ died for sins once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous. His death for our life. To bring you and I to God. Christ at any point on Good Friday, the Bible says, could have called 12 legions or 10,000 angels to destroy the world and to set him free. He could have been victorious over those things trying to kill him and he would have been, he would have been adored and respected for, his, for, for all time. But he didn't because his life was not his goal. His life was not his goal. He surrendered his will to God. And he said, your will be done. What was his goal? Your life was his goal. My life was his goal. If Christ called the 10,000 angels to set him free, only he would have been free. We would still be separated from God. 
You see, we all face decisions that can get us free. Some of you are facing some things now that could set you free, but may not set those around you free. Today, we're reminded that true greatness is found when we become a platform for others' liberty, for others to walk in hope. And we know what God says. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Today, Lord, we choose you. We choose to remind ourselves. We choose to make this Friday a centering point for our lives. I congratulate all of you today who have decided to remind yourself afresh. The story hasn't changed. The story hasn't changed. But like ships in the night, we drift off course. And we need to keep reminding ourselves. We need to keep centering ourselves on that cross, on that mighty throne of grace, on that blood that has washed us clean. The red blood of Christ has made you as white as free and clear. White is, you know, there's nothing like fresh snow, is there? I don't know about you, but you, 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 if you've been to the snow and you look at those beautiful rolling white hills, they're magnificent. But when you come down onto the highways that are covered in snow that have been driven over a few times, the snow's no longer quite as white anymore, is it? In fact, it's brown and murky. See, we need to realign ourselves each time we take communion, each time we gather at Easter, each time we remember that great sacrifice of Christ. You know, it's like there's a fresh powder. This fresh powder falls and we're reminded of our own purity in him. We're reminded that we can present ourselves holy and righteous as living sacrifices. We're not limited by the fact that we've been driven over a few times. We're not limited by that because we're reminded that He is life and He is He is mercy is new each and every morning. If those handing out communion this morning would do so right now, that would be fantastic, and maybe the musicians could could jump up. And as they do, let's consider Romans twelve. We remind ourselves to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to you, God, which is our reasonable service. And to not be conformed to this world, to not be conformed to our yesterdays, to the guilt and to the shame, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We choose to renew our minds today and walk in liberty and truth instead of shame and guilt that we may prove what is your good and acceptable and perfect will. How do we know this? We know this. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 8, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Can any of these things separate us? No, they can't. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Christ on the cross is the greatest example of pain, of endurance, and of victory that you will ever see. 
You can look through history. You can imagine. But it is the greatest example. And God is saying to us this morning, He's saying, lift up your eyes and see that not only am I the God who will lay my life down, but I am the God. I am the resurrection and the life. And not too far from now, I am going to rise and you are going to rise with me and I am going to be glorified and I am going to take you from glory to glory as you keep centering your life on me. As you gaze upon me as in a mirror, you will go from glory to glory and you will experience new levels of liberty, new levels of freedom, new levels of hope, new levels of forgetfulness of your own mistakes, new levels of forgiveness for those around you. You will be able to say great statements like, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Lift up your eyes, church. Lift up your eyes. Transcend the place that holds you captive because the attitude you take into your Fridays makes room for the God of the resurrection on Sunday. And as we hold the bread and the cup in our hands this morning, Let me just pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the most merciful act that we can ever imagine. We thank you for your grace that is with us, that's working in us, even to the end. Lord, today we surrender our desires to what is most pleasing and dear to you. We surrender them to you, Father. Let your will be ours and let our will always follow yours. May we rest in you and that in you our heart may be at peace, Lord. Lord, you are the true peace of our heart. Apart from you, Lord, everything gets unsettled. So we rest in you this morning. Father, in you alone, the supreme and eternal God, we will both lie down in peace and rest. We thank you, for, Father, for your son, for yours and his sacrifice. And today, we remember, we remember, and we choose to set aside these times so that we will never forget. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Let's partake of the emblems together.